Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 417. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you'll also find the show notes for today's episode 417. Our first sponsor spotlight thanks goes to Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. We're taking a little hiatus from our theme, 50 States of Slow Flowers, which we're running all year. I'm committed to recruiting a North Dakota guest for you, and we just need another week to pull that off. So this will return soon. Today's guest and I first met in 2015. You'll hear us trying to recall how we originally connected. And while I was writing this intro, I actually went back and searched my email archives to find the backstory of how Jacqueline Reticliano and I really did meet. In March 2015, Jacqueline reached out to me via the Slow Flowers contact form. She wrote, Hi there. I handle public relations and communications for the slow fashion brand Zady, Z-A-D-Y, and we are currently coordinating our events for Fashion Revolution Day and Earth Day. I'm wondering if there is someone I can speak with about possibly bringing in a slow flowers aspect to our events. I would love to connect and look forward to hearing from you. Well, that email led to a long phone call during which Jacqueline brought me up to speed on slow fashion, and I brought her up to speed on slow flowers, and we discussed some possible cross-promotions and collaborations. In her follow-up note to me, Jacqueline signed off with these comments. She wrote, Personal Matters. I'm going to spend a ton of time digging into your site, but if you have any other initial suggestions for where I can begin to tackle these issues from the retail and floral design standpoint, I would love to look into that for my parents. Who knows, maybe I will take on the family business one day after all. And you'll hear her talk a little bit how that happened. Fast forward to this past January, and I again heard from Jacqueline. It was long after her gig with Zadie ended, and many years after I ended my consulting job with Field to Vase Dinner Tour. But of course, I remembered her immediately. This time, Jacqueline had some news that delighted me. She wrote, Happy New Year, and I hope this finds you well. You likely don't remember me, but we had emailed nearly four years ago at my previous job when I was representing a company called Zadie, which was focused on the sustainable fashion movement. 
I am from a family of florists, and when I heard about your Slow Flowers movement, it really resonated with me, and you were kind enough to provide some additional reading materials for me to further educate myself. Years later, my husband and I are in the planning stages to open up our own business, possibly a mixed-use retail space, which will have the retail arm of my parents' floral event design business. I am keen to approach this differently, as currently I don't believe there is any florist on Long Island focused on locally sourced flowers. I really want to provide artistically designed flowers that embrace natural beauty, lesser-known flowers, greens, naturally grown varieties, etc. And it would be great to source these within a 50-mile radius, or at least domestically. Our business will be focused on a tight inventory to minimize waste and to embrace what is readily available. I'd love to receive some guidance in terms of identifying the right farmers, varieties, the questions to ask, etc. It will be easy for me to follow the same path of my family and just source product from a regular importer, but I would love to support local small farmers and source directly, though there are concerns about the cost associated. We are even considering planting our own flowers as well. Anyways, I'm not sure if you would do this or you are speaking anywhere on the East Coast in the future, but I would love to learn from you to help get on the right foot. And then she signed off. Well, it's so wonderful how people can come into your life for what looks like one reason, only to learn from that experience that we can't even predict the real reason. We can't predict how we influence and inspire one another. Hearing from Jacqueline four years after we had first met, it was an affirmation that all the messages and information that I put out into the marketplace about flower sourcing and sustainable practices, well, it doesn't land on deaf ears. When the timing was right, she eagerly devoured the mission of slow flowers. Not only has Jacqueline absorbed these slow flowers concepts, but she has put her entirely personal spin on them. Along with her husband, Mark Erolino, they launched Hometown Flower Collective earlier this year, actually on Mother's Day. Their hometown is Huntington, New York on Long Island. These two Long Island natives and residents are running Hometown Flower Collective as a family operation with their two daughters, August and Sage. Jacqueline's the one with her arms up in flowers, overseeing the floral designs, creative marketing, and branding for the company. Mark oversees the day-to-day business operations and logistics. And here's a fun fact, they are two Leos who share the same birthday. And they share a bold mission to shape a better future for their children and community. Jacqueline and Mark write this on their website. Hometown Flower Collective connects people who love flowers with the local farmers who grow them. A new take on the traditional neighborhood florist, Hometown Flower Collective offers fresh local varieties delivered right to your doorstep through monthly subscriptions and through its vintage pickup truck, Baby Blue, a 1976 Ford F100 reimagined to become Long Island's first mobile flower truck. Our mission is simple, to encourage people to look no further than their hometown to find beauty grown nearby and to provide access to locally grown varieties in places where our farmers are typically unable to consistently reach. Inspired by a third generation flower designer's experience growing up around the floral industry and witnessing how removed consumers and retailers were from where where and how their flowers were sourced, Hometown Flower Collective was founded with a strong desire to change the status quo and encourage people to embrace their roots. Well, please enjoy this conversation and listen for some very useful tips from Jacqueline on how to interest the local media in your floral enterprise. She's a PR pro after all. You'll find photos of Hometown Flower Collective and relevant social media links in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com. 
Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I'm so delighted to introduce you to my guest today, Jacqueline Reticliano of Hometown Flower Collective. And Jacqueline's based on Long Island. She'll tell us where she is. But first of all, I want to welcome you. Hi. Thank you. Hi, Deborah. I'm so excited to be speaking with you. I'm so glad we're doing this podcast. The, this recording, uh, we had to work hard to fit it into our mutual schedules being on opposite coasts. <laughs> but um, I, I'm just delighted to see what's happening with your business. And I want to share it with the listeners. We met originally, I want to say like four, maybe three or four or five years ago, when you and I uh, somehow got involved in a sustainable fashion project. And maybe you can talk a little bit about what hat you were wearing then and how, how that's uh, turned you into a florist because <laughs> it's Absolutely. a wonderful journey. If you can believe it, and that was actually closer to six and a half years ago. Oh my um, goodness. I remember because I was pregnant with my first um, daughter. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. So my, um, my entire career and my, my day job still actually is in traditional uh, PR and marketing. And at the time, when we were connected, I was representing a, a company that is no longer, um, sadly, but it's called Zadie. And um, the founder is very much involved and, and spearheading something called the slow fashion movement. And so here I was, you know, working in the trenches of raising awareness and transparency of, of where and how your garments are produced um, right down through the social, economic and environmental impact of the clothing that we wear. And you actually, I believe, reached out to us to, to invite us to participate in a um, Field to Vaz dinner at Brooklyn Grange, which is full circle for me because now they're part of our collective here. Um, and I just remember having this weird out-of-body moment when I saw these words, slow flowers, and I knew that the slow meant something in a different industry. And I I actually come from a family of florists. I'm a third generation, um, but never really had an interest in what my family's lineage told me to do. Um, and when I saw those words and I and I read what you were doing, I was so intrigued and so fascinated by your mission that it just, I mean, I mean, it shaped who I am today and why I'm doing this. <laughs> well, it's so, <laughs> so nice. Thank you. Oh my gosh, that that is a wonderful recap. I, I do recall that um, I connected with you uh, just, and we had a, some great conversations about where are the synergies between uh, two different industries, fashion and flowers, uh, both with uh, pioneering, uh, you know entrepreneurs who want to change their practices and want to be more sustainable and more thoughtful about their sourcing and just sort of a 360 holistic approach to the industry. Um, and there are a lot of synergies and the fact that you were entrenched in fl fashion, but had this secret history as growing up with parents who were <laughs> florists, that intrigued me. Um, so fast yeah, forward. You're fa very kind. <laughs> <laughs> we had some good talks. And I was intrigued. Yeah. I was intrigued by what you had to say too. Like you immediately connected the dots between kind of the old school way uh, that you know many people uh, came up through floristry and maybe the aspirations of changing things. And, and yeah, you you have done yeah, that. 
I mean, my, my family really, um, you know, my grand, my grandparents started a florist in Queens. Um, I, I hear, I can hear my father affectionately talking about his father, but how mm. he would kind of sling pom-poms on the corner, um, <laughs> in, in fresh meadows. Um, and in fact, even before that, before he even had his own florist, he, he worked in the meatpacking industry in Manhattan. Um, very traditional. I mean, this is 1948 when he opened up his his own shop and and very retail. He was he was the neighborhood florist. Um, and my dad grew up helping out his parents and my grandparents throughout his entire childhood. And you know, eventually got to a place where he could purchased the business, um, from, from my grandparents, uh, at the time he was married to my mom and, and they scaled that and they became one of the, the most premier, um, special events and wedding florists, primarily, you know, on Long Island, but even in the tri-state area, but everything they, they do, which is gorgeous, um, is through a traditional lens. You know, they, mm. Um, I think they very much have enjoyed the the high tide of of the wedding industry through catering halls and um, what people are used to on Long Island and um, and and killed it. Um, mm. But but there was never any you know there was never any question about where flowers come from. You know mm-hmm. maybe maybe people would question their food maybe um, and probably more from a dietary standpoint mm-hmm. at that time, but. Um, they they quickly sort of evolved beyond retail. So I had really no connection to what they were doing until I got married. And of course, I had the most beautiful flowers <laughs> in the world for my wedding. <laughs> right. Your, your I parents. Didn't it, I didn't make it easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and, um, and that business, um, like you said, it wasn't retail. And here you now have launched basically a consumer-facing um Rural business in your own with your own vision that um, yeah. that it sounds like you would a- agree it's it's quite different than than your family's um, wedding and event uh, wholesale Ab- business. Absolutely, I I, I, can, I can literally remember where I was when I presented um, a concept to my parents when I was pregnant with my firstborn daughter after I had met you mm-hmm. of this you know, what would a subsidiary consumer facing retail brand look like that was focused on, you know, more conscious consumption with their flowers, you know, making people feel connected to where their flowers come came from. And, you know, life moved on and, and I went back to work and, and so on and so forth. But it, it always stuck with me. Um, and I actually started designing flowers personally as a way of stress relief for myself. Mm. You know, when mm. you work in marketing, you're addicted to your phone. You don't put it down quite often. And so, um, <laughs> playing with flowers was the way for me to actually detach myself. Um, and that was for two reasons. One, I wanted to actually kind of appreciate what was growing in my own backyard or my parents. And then two, um, I actually didn't really ever enjoy flowers that were gifted to me from mm-hmm. other florists. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my, my parents didn't really do that kind of stuff. So, um, and if they did, I'm sure it would be beautiful, but you know, if my, my now husband, Mark, wouldn't, he would gift me flowers. They just never felt like myself. And, and I, part of it, I think was from an aesthetic perspective, but the other part of it was just, I didn't quite like how the flowers looked. They felt a little bit, um, 
fake, you yeah. know, they felt um, cold. Like, where are these flowers mm-hmm, from? Who, mm-hmm. you know, who, who grew them? Why, why don't they smell anymore? And so I sort of went down a whole spiral those, those many years ago to, to learn about the industry. Um, and it just always stuck with me. And um, so here we are, we, we, we launched a completely radically different brand to what I'm used to with my family, um, which is nice because we can kind of stay in our own lanes and, <laughs> right. and help each other out. <laughs> and um, absolutely. And it's called Hometown Flower Collective. And you launched this earlier this year with uh, with your husband, Mark, and his last name is Ervolino. So it's Ritigliano yeah. and Ervolino. I, that could have been the business right there, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> just a bunch of Italians yeah. taking over. Yeah. <laughs> where are you? Uh, yes. Where, we, where are you guys based? Uh, so we're we we live in Huntington on Long Island in New York. Okay. Um, and yes, we are Long Island's first um, fully mobile and digital florist, wow. and we source everything exclusively from a collective of local flower growers that we formed here, um, end to end on the island. And we abide by one rule, which is that we only work with what we can source um, right in our quote unquote backyards and work with what's seasonally available. Um, And we pop up in our baby blue, which is her nickname, uh, 1976 Ford pickup truck, um, which is a really nice visual for people to wonder, hey, what's going on? Um, and then a good entry point for an always an immersive and interactive design session in which we explain to people where our flowers actually do come from. And then we design for them and something that feels like them, which I always felt like there was a void, you know, mm. whenever I was gifted flowers. And then we have a subscription and all of the traditional things of, a, of another florist. What do you, I mean, you say subscription, like a CSA type of program where people, um, um, I don't know, pay a, a certain amount per week to receive a bouquet from you, that kind of thing? Exactly. We call it our flowers in a bag subscription. So everything actually always arrives in a brown paper bag, um, which is quite a visual. Everything is always hand delivered. So there's no need for any excessive packaging. Um, and the flowers change depending on the frequency and the size that people choose. So they get to choose weekly, weekly or monthly. And then we have four different sizes and no two arrangements ever look alike. Cause frankly, I can't ever repeat <laughs> my designs anyway. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, if you're, um, if you're already saying to customers that you're inspired by what's available seasonally, it kind of uh, takes that I- idea of uh, sameness out of the equation anyway. Right. Um, Absolutely. Mother Nature is the one leading the charge here, not me. <laughs> so when did you actually launch earlier this spring, right, Jacqueline? We launched Mother's Day weekend, actually. Oh, oh well. The Super Bowl of the flower industry. Yeah, nice and low-key, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, my day job's in marketing. So oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when you talk about fully mobile and fully digital... Baby Blue is your quote-unquote shop. It's your mobile flower mm-hmm. shop. You are not just um, randomly picking where you park, though. This is really um, kind of a service that you provide for private events. Is that correct? Yeah, kind of, okay, yes. Explain so there's it. a couple of layers to it. Um, so there's there's a public-facing, you know, uh, really easy to understand. We're at a farmer's market, right? We mm. pay for the season. We pop up. That's simple. The next layer to that would be um, businesses actually host us. So we don't access peddlers. 
Um, we are hosted by, you know, private businesses on their property, wherever we go, whether that's a main street, we pay for parking and have the most beautiful parking spots in the entire city mm-hmm. or, um, <laughs> or we're on their private property entirely. And then the third one would be, you know, if, you know, a, a private family or a person wanted to actually host us in their home, we could bring and, and we call it like a pop-up flower bar. And we do that either with our truck and we can, or we can actually bring that experience inside as well. Mm-hmm. And actually, as I was, when I first called you uh, to do this interview, you were getting ready for something that sounds a little bit more like that, a private party, right? Yeah, yeah. We actually were invited to do a pop-up flower bar to create flower crowns, um, to do a live demonstration of flower crowns where people can pick out their own flowers. We create it right on the spot for um, a special birthday party in Manhattan tomorrow. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of, um, I guess, unconventional um, services <laughs> that you provide. You're, well, you're, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's taking kind of that uh, brick and mortar, mom and pop, Main Street flower shop, it kind of. I guess, experience or environment and putting it on, taking it to where the customers are, essentially. I mean, that's the mobile aspect of it. The fact that it's beautiful and you make it into a party, of course, makes mm-hmm. makes people want to, ha- like you said, you have the prettiest parking space uh, in town. Uh, it's just a wonderful concept. How did you develop this concept? I know that there's a, there are people around the country and other markets also who have uh, cool vehicles where they're, you know, selling flowers, vending flowers, maybe in a different way. So that, you took mm-hmm. a piece of that and then you maybe took a piece of like the private party and then a piece of the, mm-hmm. um, the, the CSA, but you've kind of built it around location, which I think is what the collective part of your business name is, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, so we believe in where your flowers are grown should actually remain. So we're local to local. Mm-hmm. Um, while we have aspirations of growing and, and, you know, being that my background is in branding and marketing, I certainly wanted to launch this brand as if we had national or international appeal. Mm-hmm. But our prospects are set on on keeping the flowers where they're grown. And to your point, you know, being mobile um, or even digital allows us to provide access to these locally grown flowers in places where you know farmers traditionally can't reach them. Um, our, fl- our farmers are either strictly wholesale or they operate, you know, on a very local level. So unless you're going to catch them at the farmer's market or pick up from their farm at the CSA, they don't have a way to easily distribute. We are literally going end to end picking up um, and then delivering all over. And, and I think that the core differentiator for us besides location is interactivity. Everything we do is centered around an immersive interactive experience. And that's frankly because we're rooted in education. We're a mission-based company. So if we're going to, you know, if we're going to showcase flowers that look kind of familiar, but a little different, and certainly maybe not something that you would get from a traditional florist, we think it's really important for people to have an experience that connects them to their flowers so they understand why we're doing this and they maybe walk away valuing it a little bit more. Absolutely. I mean, that's the piece that you said was missing in maybe the last 10, 15 years when you were gifted flowers and you didn't really mm-hmm. have that sense of, oh, there were human beings who grew these and or, or they're f- from my community. Um, 
Well, we actually just referred to uh, you, Hometown Flower Collective, uh, a couple weeks ago in the podcast when I had Charles Sherman from North Fork Flower Farm mm. in Orient, New York, which is the farthest tip of Long Island. Uh, you know, yes. probably not not super easy for your for most customers to access unless they live there. And he's one of your suppliers. And, and we were just talking about how grateful uh, his farm is to have another channel to sell through. So you are buying direct from farms like North Fork Flower Farm. Um, how many farms roughly do you have in your collective? We have about 10 right now. And we love Charles and his whole team over there. They totally get it. You know, they are people who, you know, have walked a different path in their life as well and are chasing their passion. And mm. Um, mm. we're totally simpatico in everything that we do. Well, I was impressed when you said that um, Mark is driving uh, out to that farm and maybe some yeah. other farms to do the pickups. So it, it kind of oh, yeah. it kind of impressed me because that's the, that's the puzzle piece that's so hard for uh both sides of this equation. It's hard for farmers to figure out how to do deliveries. And it's often, or flora, florists, I often run into florists who say, I can't, I can't buy local because those farmers won't deliver to me. And so you're actually adding, Absolutely. you're adding that layer of willing, you're willing to take the added time and money. And I'm sure there is a cost to it to go out and, and, and pick up direct from your farms. Absolutely. And, and that's really where being mobile and digital comes into play. You know, if we had a traditional big brick and mortar store where we had to staff that, you know, every second um, that in, during business hours, you can't afford to, to close up the shop to go pick up. Mm. But we, you know, we are slave to our schedules, mm-hmm. um, both in, in real life, in parenting life and in mm. our business. Um so we frankly, you know, we are strategic in what we do. We know we, we pick up um, on certain from certain parts of the island and deliver in those same areas. Um, and our farmers are really patient with us, too, because um, we try really hard not to have waste mm-hmm. as much as we can, can try to try to control that. There's been a lot of trial and error in the beginning, um, but you know, we want to pick up directly because that connection is incredibly important to us. I would say more than half of the farmers that we actually source from, we went knocking door to door and asked for an in-person meeting before we even really knew what we were building because mm. we wanted them to know that we're, you know, we're not just here to take your flowers and say, have a nice day. We're, we're part of a movement here that you started and, and we need their support just as much as they need ours. Mm, right. It is It is definitely um, bringing two worlds together that have been sort of disconnected for so long. And it, it sounds like your education component is uh, maybe gets drills down to telling that birthday party uh, hostess, you know, this flower was grown by so-and-so and at this farm. Like there's a real storytelling component to it. People, people who get it, they love it. I mm. mean, I, in, in the same breath, I actually just um, had to walk away from a really, what would have been a very nice um, event for us uh, because the, the person wanted things that I can't get mm. right now. You mm. know, in late September, she was asking for ranunculus and a guarantee mm. of, of certain kinds of flowers and, um, and it just wasn't a fit. And, and, and that's hard, you know, we are a new business and, and we are 
fully in the all investment, no profit <laughs> age right now. Oh my gosh. Um, but we gotta, we, we have to practice what we preach and we have to stick with it and, and believe in what we're building. Well, you really do. You mentioned being a mission driven business. You really are. I mean, it's, it's wonderful in a way to start a business, having that clarity of vision of what's essential to your brand. Um, of course, it, it, there's lots of, of risk, but it, it's, it helps you make your decisions, I'm sure, as you're moving forward about what is worth your investment of time and energy, and and when do you walk away? And I know that I know that that's you're still working that out. But uh, I guess when things are tough, <laughs> that's what you can look look at and say you're you're confident. They're not star. Yeah, you're confident that you made the right decision. I'm I'm really impressed by that cuz I I know this is a labor of love right now it sounds like because you're keeping your day jobs and you're doing this as as sort of a investment in your future. Thank you. Um you know the floral industry is tough. I I I saw how it took a toll on on my parents growing up. I mean, you hustle when you're doing this. And for us um you know, whether, whether we planned it or not, life sort of guided us to this. And if we're going to do it, we want to, we really want to have a positive role, a positive example that we can have for our children and, and be a brand that stands for connecting people locally and embracing your neighbors and appreciating your hometown. That's why we named our company this, Mm. um, because otherwise, it's just another business and and we're really good at our day jobs. So what's the point otherwise? Right. Right. It's interesting because you have shared with me a little bit about how there are people in your, I guess the larger floral community who just don't get you and maybe are slightly, I don't know if they're threatened or if they're just confused, but um, I want to be an encouragement to you. I know that you're not alone in, in, having haters. <laughs> when you have haters, you must be doing something right. That's my motto. <laughs> uh, so I'm told. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Can you share yeah. a little bit about how you're dealing with that? And, and, you know, I know, I know you rising above, obviously you're, you're going high, but still. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Michelle Obama. Um, no, uh, look, I mean, because of, because of my background and training, I, I, I know how to launch a brand and, mm-hmm. and it was really important to us that we launched a brand. Um, we were taking a bold stance on something mm-hmm. and we wanted to come out with a bang. And that is not the norm for a florist, a local florist. Um, or a farmer you know, florist can, or a farmer. Or yeah, a farmer. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with, um, with attention comes haters and, and, uh, you'd think I have thicker skin, actually, um, but it's it's hard um, it's hard for anyone to ever get kind of criticism. The one thing that's been interesting to see is um, I think the fear of competition or um, the fear of the unknown from some of the traditional ends of the industry. We've gotten some some feedback um, mostly has been anonymous of people really kind of aggressively trying to shut us down. And mm. we've only been around for, you know, two months, six months or so. Yeah. yeah not, not, I don't even know if it's six months, um, yeah. but, but, you know, and it's, and sometimes it gets quite scary. Um, but, you know, when I think back to the fact that we sat down and looked at our farmers face to face, you know, I brought my mom with me for some of the initial meetings 
um, they know who we are. They know what we stand for. So when there are people out there trying to harm that relationship for the sake of kind of cutting us off at our knees, um, or, you know, even the, the silly tactics like writing fake reviews mm-hmm. or, you know, booking an expensive event and then canceling at the last second. I mean, you just have to think how, how sad the, mm-hmm. the other situation is to not realize that we are, we are so different across everything that we do. And if people just felt confident in the brands that they were building and their own talent, there's enough room for everyone. In fact, one would argue that having, having more attention and acclaim and excitement for flowers is good for everyone, because I guarantee you that most people don't, don't actually feel comfortable with the local sourcing. So if they don't, you can just swoop on (laughs) and take that other piece of the pie. Right, right. Uh, You know, they can call up that woman that I just turned down for that other big event. (laughs) Yeah, and and I applaud you for doing that because it is very empowering in a way to be so have so much clarity to say this isn't right for me. And um, I mean, I'm way older than you and I'm still learning that lesson. So I, I'm going to take a, <laughs> take a page of encouragement by watching your journey. You give Slow Flowers um, a lot of shout outs. And I noticed them and I was telling you this when we talked last week, because of course, Google alerts. And in the last three months, often when I get a Google alert that Slow Flowers has appeared in a media uh, print or online uh, article, it's Jacqueline Rotigliano talking about Slow Flowers (laughs) and her new business, Hometown Flower Collective. So first of all, congratulations for, you know, (laughs) melding your two skill sets, flowers and and marketing. Um, (laughs) I'm just, you know, I I just feel like PR is what everyone wants. And yet it's so daunting and a little bit or a lot intimidating. Do you have any, can you just sort of share without giving away all your trade secrets, like what advice you would have for people who are like, shoot, I, why isn't the local media paying attention to me? I've got a story that's just as good as Jacqueline's in, you know, another state. And what can I do without, you know, without a much of a budget to work with? Do you have any tips or advice to share with people? Yeah. Well, my first, my first suggestion that I say, be it a client or your listeners, um, is to always take a step back and actually question is, PR ultimately what you need. Mm. Um, we, we, like I said, we, we approach this to launch a brand as if it was the same kind of level of client, um, that I've worked with for years. And, um, we, we put a lot of emphasis into a multifaceted marketing initiative. So, um, PR is never a magic bullet. I think that's an important thing for people to realize. I PR has to yeah. work with. <laughs> With, with with paid media and social okay. and your SEO and your and your brand. That's the most important thing. So um, so but PR it, like, is one tool of a more diversified toolbox than than I was I was simplifying it. Ab- well, but but it's an important but but people tend to do that. So I'm okay. actually happy that you did that. Um, because you, it's, it's easy to just say, oh, I just need a bunch of press covers and my business will be all right. That's actually not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if, if you don't know how to work your PR and, and the simplest thing would be, you know, Hey, if you actually happen to get a piece of press coverage, throw some, you know, Facebook ad dollars behind that and go really targeted. Um, you have to amplify what you're doing because that, that piece of coverage is going to be fleeting and, and you'll have this mm-hmm. your moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
but but if we are talking about PR, what I found here um, is, you know, whilst we have all the aspirations in the world to get the the Vogue's and the New York Times of the world, um, we we aspire to really focus on local, um, local, 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 granular local. Mm. Um, my husband and I are both from Long Island. Um, my family is in this industry and our farmers are all here. So local media loves a good local story and loves a good human interest story. Um, I think the important thing that people need to keep in mind is local media, of course, are are holding on for dear life. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to take care of our journalists um, mm-hmm. and and respect them and and be a resource to them and and really, understand, you know, take the time to question and build relationships of what are you interested in and what does your band look like? Um, because while you may have a great story, unfortunately, most of our media outlets today are focused just on, on clicks, um, and, and advertisers. So how can you be a resource? Then I would say the biggest thing for us is, you know, we created a brand that is buzzy intentionally. You know, if we were going to be mission, if we just came out right out of the gate and just focus on, you know, local sourcing, we would get, you know, some accolades, but it wouldn't have taken off. We created something that was visually dynamic and, and so against the grain intentionally. I mean, you literally down to our vases. I mean, it's every single thing is sort of the opposite of the norm Mm. um, intentionally. So we could stand out. So having a really strong brand that you believe in and knowing how to articulate, articulately and um, concisely convey that is critical. And then I would say the third thing is, I think I'm up to three, yeah. um, is the power of partnerships. So, so much of our event work um, is through strategic partnerships with either other local businesses hosting us for either a pop-up or a workshop. You know, we do a bunch of stuff with like the breweries and the distilleries and the wineries or even Mm -hmm. yoga centers where you can, it's a way for them to actually showcase their offerings in a really creative and unique way while we then benefit from having access to their audience. And when you're a new brand trying to grow on social, which is, you know, one of the number one things, um, leaning on your neighbors and your peers to actually say, you know, in our instance, hey, we have a really interesting visual here that we can bring to you. Mm. We're still small, but we're mighty. But, you know, how can we actually create something that would be of interest to your own audience? And we did that in the beginning. We, we lost, you know, a lot of money doing it. It was, it was purely for marketing. But that is what got us to quickly scale our social. And, and from that media started paying attention even more because it validated us. So, oh, they're doing this at so-and-so winery or they're doing this with this brand or this right. festival. Or we, we just kept popping up. We kept the, no, one, no one can escape us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's really smart too because you're, you're kind of uh, tar- identifying brands that you want to be aligned with. You're not going to, I don't know, I don't want to pick on any bad industry, but like you're not going to something that you wouldn't, want to shop at yourself or wouldn't want to enjoy in in your own demographic. So you're trying to find kindred spirits that you can um, bring flowers into the conversation in a a similar, you know, with a similar consumer. Absolutely. It's the most Uh, critical part of what we do. I think when you were talking about um, 
the the visual aspect as well. I I think that's so important in my experience in media. It just when you talked about the media being, uh, you know, at risk basically, and um, budgets are smaller. People maybe don't even have a photographer, mm -hmm. and so having beautiful photography to share or flowers, mm -hmm. you know, flowers are certainly like something you would want to put on the front page. You know, they they create attention. It's sort of like uh, the the media version of the uh, I don't know the lost leader like let's get something pretty on page one maybe that's gonna uh, sell more issues I don't know it just seems like you're prepared to provide great photography or to create uh, something that can be photographed that's new and original for that outlet. I'm actually I'm really happy that you brought up photography because that is that is such a mistake that small businesses don't take seriously especially when it comes to your website and social media. Um, you know, as is people have options. I mean, we're, we're not competing with each other. We're competing with, with Trader Joe's and, uh, you know, supermarkets mm -hmm. um, and, and beyond. So for, for us, you know, you have to, you have to appeal to people through professional photography, but photography is expensive and photographers deserve to be compensated for their time. Um, so it's a daunting thing. Mm -hmm. What we focus on actually is, um, you know, we just pulled together a pretty huge photo shoot where everyone who participated actually did it on a trade basis. Mm -hmm. um, down to our photographer actually severely reducing her rate. We covered the cost of the photographer, but what every single person down to, we had influencers for the models, we, you know, what they wore, what they ate, what they drank, you know, it was, it was supposed to be around flowers, but we made it a lifestyle photo shoot. So every single brand then had some skin in the game to get some professional photography and the cross promotion, Deborah, that I, I can't even tell you so many people just tell it like other brands who missed out. They're like, Oh my God, the beach photo shoot. I wish <laughs> I did it. It's just, it's ongoing. It's, it's hundreds of photos and we're all, we're just promoting the hell out of each other. And, um, and that's the way to do it. That's so yeah. interesting. I just visited a, a Slow Flowers member here in Seattle this afternoon on a tour, and she just taught a workshop uh, at in her garden and studio this weekend. And she uh, was saying that the really she wants to have great photography of those workshops because then it illustrates the experience for the next time she's marketing that that workshop and then you know people signing up know kind of what the experience looks like uh, but she was mm -hmm. able to do she was able to do a trade with the photographer which then helps her budget and the photographer needed flowers for something so it was just like a, a simpatico it just worked out so I guess having your radar Absolutely. yeah having your radar up for those opportunities or creating them yourself like you just did I'd want to see that beach shoot now is that <laughs> something you could share with <laughs> Oh, well, you could just you can find it on um, at hometown flower co both <laughs> in our feed and in our tag feed. You'll see um, okay. Christy Montalion is the photographer. But and and don't be afraid to take chances on emerging photographers. And there's some great you know Facebook groups for freelance photographers on a regional level where you can post and and photographers are really hungry to build their portfolio. And just as much as you'll take a chance on them, right. As a florist, you have to invest in your product and your time and you want someone to photograph that beautifully. They, you know, they, that is a really interesting trade too. I, I'm a big proponent of 
supporting and nurturing, you know, brand new talent. Mm, um, mm-hmm. And most of the time, most of the time, it's, it's, it's pretty fantastic. Wow. That's, that's, those are good, good tips. Uh, okay. So we're here, here we are. This is early, this is going to air early September. Um, you're halfway through your first season. You're go- I, I can only imagine you're going to go strong until the last uh, Dahlia collapses due to frost. But <laughs> <laughs> what what do you envision for uh, Hometown Flower Collective after uh, the the source of local flowers changes? Because you you are in kind of a not a super wintry area, but you 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 do have farms that probably it gets cold. They probably stop producing, cold, right? Yeah. 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 Um, well, we want to keep going for as long as possible. In fact, a lot of the the stress <laughs> relief designing that I did was in the winter working with evergreens and branches and mm, berries and, mm-hmm. and dried things. So as long as our, I, I, you know, we envision our model um, being more subscription focused during that time, mm-hmm. maybe smaller workshops like wreath making and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but if there's interest and there's appetite, We'll keep going. We also, we have a phenomenal orchid grower that grows orchids all year round. Um, Mm. And Mark and I are really keen to um, sort of tap into our green thumbs too and and potentially, you know, look into greenhousing and and other things. There's going to be, you know, there's going to come to a point where I think if there's a demand for more, um, we'll have to double down on, this is what mother nature is dictating to us. And I, and I'd like to be able to invest where we can grow year round. Um, but it's year one. So yeah. let's see what, what's ahead for us. Well, and I think that you're creative and resourceful and you are defining what um, your, your aesthetic is by the seasonal availability. So I can see you going into not only orchids, but other types of houseplants or indoor forest bulbs or, um, you know, mm-hmm branches that you bring indoors to to force all the tricks that florists who care about seasonality are are employing and uh you'll just have this loyal population of of customers who've discovered you who will learn along with you as you're developing that absolutely i need to brush up on my learning i need to dig into the slow flowers archive <laughs> to, to get into those force bulbs. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take care of you we'll send you some amaryllis to play with <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited about we, that. yeah, this has been so much fun. I really appreciate you sharing your story and, and being honest about some of the challenges that are, you know, growing pains really as you um, get your business started. But what I hear so clearly, Jacqueline, is that the clarity of vision and uh, that is really inspiring. Um, having that Thank written, you. yeah, and having that just written down so that you can articulate it is is something that anybody can do, um, you know, and then practicing it like you're, you're a pro, but you know, no, anybody can kind of come up with their three bullet points and just be ready to share them at, you know, in the elevator or at the cocktail party or at the farmer's market. I think that that's really excellent advice. You know, I think, I think this was, this was so nice. It's kind of surreal for me to bring it all full circle. Um, so thank you, Deborah, for everything, for being that point of inspiration and opening up you know, my eyes to this movement. And I think your members are so inspiring and encouraging. 
I, I would love to, I'd love to take this show on the road and, and team up and do some fun things with some other members in the future. But if nothing else, we just draw such inspiration to the community and, mm. and it's fantastic. Mm, thank you so much. And please uh, share some photos with me so we can have beautiful gallery of baby blue and Jacqueline and Mark and their flowers from their local farms all over Long Island. Um, we'll have those in the show notes for today's episode at deborahprincing.com as well as all of Jacqueline's social places so you can find and follow her and I thank you so much we this is not the only time we'll talk on this podcast I I, I think we've got a lot of stuff cooking that I'm going to be wanting wanting to track and and see what happens (laughs) thank you Deborah thank you thanks Jacqueline take care you too bye-bye thanks much for joining me today. I'm inspired and energized by Jacqueline and Mark's story. And I hope you can draw at least one wonderful branding tip or marketing technique from our conversation to enhance your efforts. Our next sponsor spotlight features Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of family farms in the heart of Alaska, working together to grow and distribute fresh, stunning, high quality peony varieties during the months of July and August, and even September. Arctic Alaska Peonies operates three pack houses supplying peonies throughout the U.S. and Canada. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 510,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. Our final sponsor thanks today goes to Farmers Web. Farmers Web software makes it simple for flower farmers to streamline working with their buyers by lessening the administrative load and increasing efficiency. Farmers Web helps your farm save time, reduce errors, and work with more buyers overall. Learn more at farmersweb.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one base at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging on to iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Branlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.